All right. We've done grasshoppers. We've done a beetle. What should our next common writer be about? What should it be about? Hmm. How about fruit? And also a reference to the Japanese Sengoku period? We're talking about common writer Gaim! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. My name is Drew, and we are here with another Tokuvember installment as we are going through Common Rider shows decade by decade. And we have jumped into the 2010s this week for 2013's Common Rider Gaim. We keep calling it Game, but it's Gaim. Uh, and what we, a, well, I did because <laughs> I hadn't seen it before. Miles that I'll now call out grumpily instead of with a a, a happy fun like God, I'm all my buddy Miles. Ah. Not if you're gonna come into the show with that energy. Anyway, how are you doing, buddy? It's been a rough week, fam. Um, I I hate having to start this show this way for the second week in a row, um, but. A very important part of many people who listen to this show's childhood, as well as mine, um, is gone from us. Uh, we received word this week. I mean, not we, not we received word, but the news came out this week that uh, famous Power Rangers actor Jason David Frank passed away. I'm not going to talk about any aspect around that. Uh, just kind of highlight how important uh, Tommy as a character was to me as a kid. Um, I mean, I know people have heard me kind of gripe about how the franchise has not been able to move beyond the character, but there's a reason for that. I mean, Tommy, for a lot of people, was their favorite character, specifically the Green Ranger, but also his subsequent Rangers from there. And that character m made an astronomical impact to an entire generation of kids who may not have always been keen or aware of superheroes. And for a lot of people, the Power Rangers were their first superheroes, especially their first live action superheroes. And that meant a great deal. He, he was a brand ambassador for sure for that show. Oh, that absolutely. And, uh, and, it, and became a brand ambassador for sure for, for many, many years. Uh, and it, I don't know when, when, when things like this happen, it, it does always hurt to say goodbye. I mean, you know, there, there are, there are people that we know. I mean, like when we lost Betty White, like I, I was extremely bummed out about it because that woman has brought so much joy to my life, my entire life. And, but at the same time, you're like, well, she was about to be a hundred. She lived an amazing long life. And so when these amazing lives are cut short, it's always it's always a somber affair. And 
So I just wanted to to kind of take a moment to highlight someone who was extremely important to me, especially growing up, because Tommy certainly was my favorite character as a kid. And that conflicted ranger who kind of had the the Power Rangers version of the wrong side of the track story, the first one at least, uh, many would follow, uh, meant a great deal to me. And... He also was the coolest looking ranger. I mean, I mean that gold. Yeah. Set. And then when they brought him in as the white ranger again, he got to be <sighs> another cool looking ranger. Um, and then he had which to- it's a bummer because that comes from and I know you know this, Drew, uh, Die Ranger, which all those costumes rule. All those costumes were dope. And that whole style of that show is dope. But uh, maybe maybe we'll talk about that uh, in Sentai Vember. Uh, and <laughs> but yeah, it's it, so it's 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 been a, it's been a rough two weeks uh, for me and and having uh, important important I, I would say icons leaving. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I know that that's a it's a weird way to segue, but it's also kind of on brand because even though we're talking about common writer, is very closely associated with Super Sentai. It is, um, uh, uh, and so let's let's jump right into it. So as I mentioned in the intro to this episode, we have talked about a number of different iterations of common writer, starting with the very first one that involved a guy getting forcibly turned into a cyborg. And avoiding brainwashing in order to fight an evil uh, multinational Illuminati-like organization. And then in Kamen Rider Black, kind of rebooting that a little bit with another guy that gets, in fact, a duo that gets turned against their will into some sort of cyborgish, mutantish thing to fight against an evil shadow organization. And then another 10 years for Kamen Rider Kuga to have just this happy-go-lucky dude that <laughs> was just, you know, wanted to protect people and protect his friends. Um, and here we are with maybe the... Again, we haven't watched all the shows, so maybe there yeah, are some Yeah, there's other... a lot that happens between Kuga and Gaim. So I, we, we, can't, we can't say that this is like, oh, this is the one that did it. It's just... I think we need to rewind, I, I would say six seven years ago to a text conversation between all four original members of the band me mike patrick and drew and i can't remember who did it but someone sent a youtube video of the transformation sequences from this particular show and we were just struck by it because, again, not knowing anything about Common Rider for me, except for, oh, that's where Masked Rider came from. And I never really investigated further at the time. And at that point, I haven't really watched much Super Sentai either. I, I mean, I knew what it was, but I pretty much only watched Power Rangers. Right. And so. Kind of using my my Sentai association of, OK, so these shows have themes just like the Power Ranger seasons have themes, whether they're dinosaurs or whether they're, you know, the weather, dinosaurs, <laughs> uh, the, storm. The, the weather, magic, uh, right. ca- D- different, cars, di- trains, di- different things. This one was fruit themed and I it just had never occurred to me that 
you you would do that. And I just thought it was so bonkers and inspired that I mean I I that day ordered a bootleg version of <laughs> Kamen Rider Gaim off eBay for like $17 shipped and it came in a really nice case with a little slip cover and then in when you open up the thing it's just a, a stack of uh little CD sleeves <laughs> Uh, in there because uh, I think it was from um, uh, Taiwan or, or or China. I can't remember one one of the the, the place where you can get easily get these these bootlegs. But and I watched several episodes of it when I got my copy in, and just being struck by and and this is the thing. This is why I said to Drew when we were watching these first two episodes. This reminds me of of modern twenty first century anime. Well, and like, I, 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 I think you are right with that, but I also think so. So let's let's lay down a little bit about what this show is, because though it is fruit themed, it is themed after so many other things oh, yes. in a way that you don't think this is going to work. And I will also once again, for anybody who's just joining us to want to listen to this episode, we are doing all the legal stuff we can. And the only legal stuff, uh, at least that's readily available without having to buy anything, is the first two episodes on Toei's uh, uh, Tokusatsu uh, actual YouTube channel. YouTube so page, yeah. We've only seen two episodes, and I hate it, but this is where we are right now. Uh, because, again, once again, the show's got me on the hook, as it has done so far. <laughs> so... Um, we are oh this show opens before you know at some time in the ancient past impossible to tell where you have four warring armies led by a fruit themed common rider but the common rider armor looks like samurai armor specifically of the sengoku period which gets ref referred to uh a lot in in the the some characters in the show that we don't even meet in these first two episodes as they seemingly engage in some sort of end all be all battle. And then we flash forward to present day where their main character, Kota, who's driving a delivery truck. <laughs> well, before that though, we actually, and, and this, this is serendipitous have some DNA shared with Kuga. His story opens with him and a lost child. Yes, yes, it does. He's helping a little kid find his mom. <laughs> this time at the mall, not in, not at the the airport or the train station or whatever it was. Um, it makes me wonder: is that a way that all of these shows open of this era? Because we're only, I mean, we're we're like thirteen years after, uh, after Kuga, which is wild to think about at this show. Um, but uh, as as the the episode progresses, so we've seen the fruit, some of the fruit themed writers. But uh, yeah, it turns out there's a, a huge portion of the show that's about dance teams. I, I, I am disappointed that the Step Up franchise has not gone this direction. I, I was explaining this to Krista and she's like, oh, so it's like Power Rangers meets Step Up. And I'm like, yeah, pretty, pretty much. If uh, Step Up didn't dance as well. 
Honestly, I don't have a problem with the dancing. I mean, that that we've seen, it's it, is it the best I've ever seen? Absolutely not. But I expected it's, better it's, out of out of Japan in 2013. I'm going to be 100% honest. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I think unless you were actively hiring a number of idols and pop stars to do your show, which could get expensive. I mean, it, yes, it's clearly choreographed. It's it's, you know, they're young kids. I, I didn't realize the, the actress who plays May at this point is this is what, 2013 or 2008? Uh, 2013, 2013, 2013. OK, so the actress who plays May is like. 15 years old at this point. Oh, wow. Really? It's like she was born in 97. Wow. So because you got to you got to figure they, they probably filmed in like 2012. So she is a actual child. Um, and I don't think that all of them were that young. But I mean, these are these are these are young people. So. I kind of give them a little bit of a break. I mean, their the choreography was fine. And also, Gaim is supposed to be the like lowest ranked. So they shouldn't be amazing. Huh. They talk about how like they're 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 at the bottom of the list. Team Gaim. Yes. So, so anyway, I'm sorry, being- I'm getting distracted just because I was like, you sure she's only 15 yeah. making this show? Because there's a child version of this. I know. It's it's weird. Because when I when I saw that she was born in 97, I was like, really? Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, uh, so to go back so, to to. Yes. No, no, I was I just want to say that that's that's why I can kind of like be like, OK, that's why they're not great dancers, is because they're also supposed to be like the worst team. Yeah. Um, but it, so so got a team guy is dancing and they're doing, you know, OK. But then Team Baron shows up and these dudes all have a whole different style. Like Team Guy seems like they're, you know, like street kids, bright clothes, jean jackets. They look like 1995 California surfer people. In fact, they're in fact, their whole uh, their practice space is a garage that I believe has a wood paneled uh, car in it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's great, which is fun. But Team Baron, Whereas they, they look like the Phantom Thieves. <laughs> yeah, Team Baron, they're all dressed in these black suits and uh, with with these you know double-breasted jackets and tails, and it's all black and red. And and they challenge them not to a dance battle, but to something using, uh, but to a, a battle of something using a lock seed. And turns out that a lock seed is this weird lock that when you open it, a portal opens up and a monster comes out. <laughs> Not just a portal opens up. It literally unzips reality. Yeah. And and uh, an, a monster called an Inves uh, pops out and it's like, oh, we'll fight you with this Inves. It's like, well, how about we use our Inves and the Inveses fight each other. And that's how they decide things on the streets. Uh, meanwhile, there is a guy named DJ Sagara who is nowhere but also everywhere, um, I guess because he's a radio DJ, that makes sense that they would show him in the in the booth. But he was basically like commenting on everything and like seems to know everything that's going on and, and all of this stuff. And uh, and yeah, it, what a weird, 
<laughs> what a weird <laughs> opening for a show. This is a show that, oh, this this Illuminati group has turned me into a cyborg against my will. That is less weird than what is happening at the beginning of this show. <laughs> I mean, it's a it, it's a wild show. And like there's things I, I feel like this is not the first show to use Idrisil as an entity. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but we should say Yggdrasil, the 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 world tree, um, is uh, which I, I'm playing uh, God of War Ragnarok right now, so that's kind mm-hmm. of fun. Uh, but, but I'm uh, pretty sure it's come up in a Comrade show before. It may have. I mean, it, it's a well well known. Uh, uh, I mean, there was I've seen references to Yggdrasil in video games from the 90s in Japan. It, it's one of those <sighs> things that that. I think there was a, a, a just a section of creators that that were interested in this idea, but it's also it's not the only reference to uh, what I would consider more of a Western uh, Western you know thing, uh, in that there seems to be a lot of like forbidden fruit, like apple from Eden, <laughs> take on how this works. Um, as yeah, as we get into it, so so we so. Let's talk about Kota a little bit. Um, our main character, uh, who just just a normal, normal looking guy. He used to be a part of Team Gaim and now has has decided that he wanted to help his sister because his sister basically raised him and they were having money troubles. So he needed to leave Team Gaim and just get a job to try to to help pay bills. And but he's waiting for his transformation from like a kid to an adult as part of this process, which is just, again, it's, it's really, I don't know. He seems, he seems like a, he seems like a good guy. He seems like a good kid. I like mm-hmm. it. Um, but, uh, as, as part of this, as the, the days go on that we see these first couple, this, this first couple of episodes, um, well, there's this, also this shady dealer who's dealing in the lock seeds, uh, and, uh, he he tells one of the other members of of team Gaim Yuya who kind of took over for the team uh after uh after Kota left that he's got this new thing this weird belt with a knife on it <laughs> yeah it's a, it's apparently rare and the only effect it only works for the first person that used it yes uh which when they go looking for Yuya cuz he's disappeared they go through one of these zipper things and end up in this weird sort of melty forest area and they find the belt and they pick some fruit. They pick some fruit miles and all of a sudden those fruit turns into some lock seeds and then a monster attacks them. And as part of that, uh, he realizes that the lock seed looks like it will fit exactly into the, the belt and, uh, he uses it and turns into common rider, uh, Orenji, uh, Kamen Rider Gaim, uh, for the very first time in one of the wildest transformation sequences. So yeah, let, let's let's talk about these transformation sequences because, first of all, the the belt, which we have you know seen a, a belt be an important part of the rider uh, for a very long time. Uh, this is different in that you have uh, what would we I, I would just call a morpher, the yes. lock seed. And then you place it in the kind of the buckle area. Now, because these are fruit themed, the lock looks like a piece of fruit. And 
on the buckle is a knife. <laughs> and to to complete the henshin sequence, you have to cut the fruit. It's so, so wild. I love it. Also, also, and this is something I have to say, I have to say, Miles, for the first time watching these shows. And again, we skipped 10 years. I look at this Sengoku driver. It's called the the belt is called the Sengoku driver. There will be more of them that show up in the show for the very first time. The thing that they use in the show looks like a legit made out of plastic toy. All Mm -hmm. of the all of the lock seeds look like toys and it look like the toys that they sell that you can buy a version of this on Amazon right now for $84. (laughs) uh, Keep in mind, this is post Gokiger or Power Rangers Megaforce, where they introduced the Ranger keys, those toys and those items sold very well and they could sell a lot of them. Yeah. So, I think that by introducing elements like this for Bandai, this is oh we're printing money. Yeah, you know because I've seen I've seen I've seen lots on eBay where like people have like twenty uh, lock seeds, just random lock seeds out of box, and you're still paying two hundred bucks for them or something like that. Yeah. Well, and again, this one and and as part of that, it looks and I, I know that the, that the, a lot of this a lot of the power ranger shows have gotten to this point as well but this thing looks like you would go to the store and buy something that looks exactly like it not it like it looks like a not toy like when, until when, they slap it on them yeah and as until, soon as it becomes part of a belt it looks a little bit more put together yeah well i mean because it also would fit the yes. waist <laughs> of an adult human <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe right. not my waist but someone else's waist um but uh but yeah, so it's kind of a cool effect. But it, so so you slice the. Oh, fruit. I love it because it, it's like orange lock on, <laughs> and then uh, it gives a name for Hanabishi the kind of armor or something. On, he says Hanabishi right. on stage, yeah, which is not Kota's Kota's uh, name at all. Mm. I don't really know what that is. So one of my favorite moments. Well, in on. these well, two episodes. Well, so, so hang on. So, so before before we get to that, I just want to describe. So he he slices the fruit. All of a sudden, oh right, right, right. His costume pops on, and it's like a base costume, and then a base writer costume, base writer costume, and then a zipper opens up above him, above his head. A legit metallic CG orange drops down, and then collapses on him as a set of armor. Very Transformers like. And it's not just the orange. It's any fruit that he happens to to have lock seed for. Well, because this is an um, an important other thing that happens in the show. Kamen Rider Guy. Well, you know, we talked about ever, there being, oh, the first show had double riders because the guy got in an accident. And there was a couple of other riders that would p- pair up with each other. And then in Kuga, there was only one. But then in the next show, there were three. There are so many riders. <laughs> there are more show. riders you can chicken stick at. There are. There are writers on writers on writers in this show. Um, there are four main ones, at least. And then there are other side subwriters and there are writers. And at least that, in the first two episodes, what's the one thing they don't do? Ride. Yeah. Yeah. We, we see a motorcycle in the we see a little delivery uh curry Vespa that uh our boy Coda drives, but like no actual like 
rider like bikes. There, there is a motorcycle in the mid credits, like the little commercial stinger, but mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah. about all we see. Um, and and so and of course DJ Sagara calls these when they transform. They're now beat riders because oh they're riding. I like the beat. it. I th- this this has the vibe of like honestly. If Persona had done this, I would not be shocked. Yeah, well, and, and 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 again, it's one of those things where if you think back to that opening moment where it's these samurai looking common riders. OK, they're all samurai looking common riders. It's the same costumes and all these things. They're riding horses at that point. And it's like, I guess a common rider would have ridden a horse back in the Sengoku period. That's pretty, no, even then they get motorcycles. <laughs> No, and I mean, I I love I this is where like I fall even more in love with the franchise because and again, I I I have read some synopses of shows that we didn't watch, even from the the Showa era. I know the show went in different and wild directions. We just happened to watch three shows that kind of mirror the first or mirror each other, basically. Um, and, And this is the first one where we don't have bat themed and spider themed bad guys that we've watched in the first two episodes yeah i mean and the the next common rider show that we're not going to watch uh it doesn't have a motorcycle he's got a car i mean i'm fine with that like i'm fine with like i'm always fine with like mixing up the formula like just because you're a rider doesn't mean you have to ride a motorcycle right you can ride a car but it's Um, just it's just wild having jumped decades like this because you know this and again we know that uh, as miles just said we know that we're, we're only scratching the surface we're barely scratching the surface on this show but they've mixed with the formula a, a good bit but this one is the biggest divergence of anything we have seen so far and it's just absolutely it, wild it makes me so happy like it really if it feels like an anime of the 21st century in the best way for me like i mean if you had said, yeah, what if we did a uh, com writer, but like by way of red line, like it's just wild and kaleidoscopic and and the characters are pretty, pretty good. Like I'm I'm really into Coda. Uh, Coda does like when he first discovers that he can transform, does something that I think that anybody would. He just kind of f's around with it in a way that a prepubescent boy was it's almost masturbatory in a weird way he's like like, all night long and his sister's beating on his door like cut it out we can all hear you (laughs) like it's so funny but he's also like you know if i was able to transform oh i'd be like hey look check this out and he tries to use it in his day-to-day life like he tries to to deliver uh he tries to deliver his his food deliveries and he can't fit in the the moped <laughs> scooter. It tips over the ba- oh it's so great and, 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 and his, then- at his painting job he's they're asking like hey uh Koda, can you bring those paint cans up he's like oh of course i can transforms picks up the cans jumps all the way up on top of the two-story and knocks and then I love that we get a lesson learned because when he's defending people, he's like, oh, I was using it for selfish purposes. This is how it's supposed to be used, which falls in line with, oh, this is why he's a writer. Yeah. And, and so this is where I want to talk about sort of the other major character and who seems to be kind of the the antithesis of what Kota represents. And that's the character of Kaito, 
Kaito is the the leader of Team Baron, the opposing uh, the opposing uh, dance squad dance team. <laughs> so weird. Yes, 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 yes. And so he he does seem to have their team seems to have some sort of financial backing that the other teams don't have, whether that's because they're successful or something aren't they part else. of Idrisil for some reason? I don't. I don't know the answer to that question because we only watched the two the two episodes. Right, right. Um, there, there I, just, is I, a, I, got, I got the feeling they were they were definitely backed by somebody corporate. In 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 the the second episode, we do see another character who is definitely uh, working for Idrisil, and I think is one of the other main four writers on the show. Um, as they kind of set up the multiple factions, but we don't see him transform or do anything like that. Uh, but uh, one thing that I I was interested in Kaito is that he, you know, when when he's on the the dance squad and when he's going up against Gaim and the dancing, he's very kind of almost cruel and relentless and things like that. And then there is a scene where uh, uh, Kota is, uh, you know, walking through. It's after he's messed up and has has messed up, you know, all the stuff trying to be, you know, the superhero with his armor. Um, and he sees a little kid in a tree that's stuck up at the top of the tree and, and he climbed up there, but couldn't get down. And he and Coda's about to transform and jump up there and get the kid because he figures, why not? Why, why not try to, to help somebody? But Kaito comes up and basically looks at the kid and says, look, you're either going to jump down or you're going to stay up there. Make a choice. Mm-hmm. And when he jumps down, Ko- Kaito catches him. And it's a moment that that is like I that is opposite of what I would have expected that character to do as if there is some sort of honor and care associated with this guy that we're just not seeing because we've only seen him be kind of a jerk dance boy. Uh, and it basically is like, learn this lesson. Be strong. Don't count on anybody else, which is maybe not the lesson that I would choose, but it's not like. I don't know, it's not like a hateful thing. Well, and so I, I think that he is, you know, he's surrounded himself by lackeys who may not have taken the pure message of what he believes because, you know, he himself, yeah, he believes, you know, the strongest survive. He's kind of like apocalypse um, in, in that sense. But he also has a a degree of honor about him and isn't necessarily a villain. For example, when, when he is battling Coda and one of his lackeys uses a slingshot to, you know, hit the lock seat out of his, out of his hand, which is a, a, a practice that had been used prior. It, it's it's it the reason why Gaim lost the lost the battle in the first correct. episode. But we find out that he didn't know that his teammates were doing that mm-hmm. and did not like winning by unfair means. Yes, he, it, it's got to be above board. He, you got to you've got to take exactly. responsibility for your actions and. Not only that, but he does jump into battle with the monster when uh, Coda struggling or loses a sword and he tries to buy him some time. And there is some 
there's a degree of honor in his character that we we didn't expect. We kind of expect him to be kind of a maybe a Gaston type character, um, a braggart who uses his you know skills to push people around. And while he is certainly a bit of a bully, he is not without his redeeming qualities. And I think that's extremely interesting in someone who has an antagonistic role in these first two episodes because it makes him three-dimensional it makes him multi-layered he seems to care about people he certainly seems to not want people to get hurt and then when he finds out that one of his team members had been cheating he goes ballistic on him yeah and and another thing we we should mention is that when people are engaged in a lock seed battle their their invez monsters are in like a little you know grid and they're They're fighting each other they're pokemon basically but if the lock seed drops out of their that person's hand or gets damaged or something like that, that invis gets out and goes crazy and can attack actual people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's why Kota transforms, you know, to, to, to save people. And, um, you know, let's, let's talk about the transformation outside of the, outside of the, you know, what we already talked about, because this is common writers have had weapons in the past but we've never gotten to the episodes where they have weapons um this is the first time that we see a common writer have a weapon from jump from the get um and let's talk about that weapon because it's wonderful uh, so so we we mentioned the orange armor but as part of that he's got two other weapons he's got uh a, a, i'm sure it has a really cool name but basically like a kind of black and silver sword gun combo. Don't know what it's called yet. Trying to work that out. But um, the other weapon he has is a sword that looks like a gigantic orange slice. (laughs) It's so good. I, I love everything about this show. It is. It is. It has such. And I, I say this with all the love in the world so don't don't perceive this as an insult it it takes the most idiotic concept and treats it completely seriously in a way that like again that an anime would and by doing so by taking this straight it's not winking at you because there are shows that would absolutely be like you know ah we're using forever this show takes everything it's doing as if it's life or death. And it is wonderful. Like for me, especially as someone who likes professional wrestling, the dumber, the concept and the more seriously someone takes that, the more like I'm into that character. And that, that translates perfectly for a show like Kamen Rider Gaim, which is again, written by somebody whom we know can take these wild concepts and make them really dark and thought provoking because we have the creator of Madoka behind this. Oh, really? That's who that's who's behind the show. Yeah, that that's I mentioned this last week that that's who did Kamen Rider Gaim. <laughs> so, yeah, you did talk about this. We do know that, like, because his whole thing was he took 
the magical girl concept and made a really thought provoking dark show out of it. So you have to assume that while he's, yeah, I'll take, I'll do Kamen Rider and I'll do the silliest thing I can imagine, but I'm going to get real with it. And there are elements in these, even in these first two, ele- uh, these first two episodes that show that capacity because by giving us in the first two episodes, we get introduced to a wide ensemble of characters. We get introduced to not only the concept of the writer, the lock seeds, the transformations, and two different transformations. Which, also which has a different introduced... weapon, which I really appreciate when he goes from uh, oh, orange, orange writer to pineapple, to pineapple, pineapple writer. He's got like a... It's great. It's great. Um, it's it's phenomenal. But, but, but we also get a three-dimensional antagonist. We have... We've built a I mean, in the first two episodes, the amount of world building that's done subtly in this show is incredible. It's really, really interesting and good. And I just want to say that. uh, So reading about this, the 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 writer of the series was uh, as part of the show was asked to revisit some of the more dark elements of previous series. And uh, he he actually chose to use the whole idea of beat writers as a scapegoat to distract from themes that were going to show up in the later arc of the show. This show is going to get way different <laughs> than it is in the first. Well, episodes. I mean, again, Monica, same way using the, the magical girl cutesy thing to get real dark. Yeah. And real real <laughs> i did because i i know i'm not gonna have time to watch this anytime soon i did look at some of the things that happen and there was a whole second half to this show that is way different than than dance teams i, <laughs> I, I showed some of the stuff to to krista and she is on board to watch comrade or so we might be burning through that one and this one um this one seems to have a longer run i feel like do they are they all 50 plus episodes oh yeah i mean i feel like the first show was 90 something episodes but yeah was it maybe maybe i'm just um i mean it's it's hard for me to gauge because i'm used to like power ranger seasons where it's like oh you get two seasons of 26 um i mean so that's probably what i'm thinking which matches which matches up with one 50 something episode season around this time actually a little earlier in the anime world anime moved from 50 episode seasons to 25 ish episode seasons yes so um which at the time i was like but now i'm like yeah please don't yeah no sh- sh- i mean I've, I've been on the short animation uh, train for a while there are, there are shows that i adore that are 12 episodes or a handful of okay seasons uh in terms of numbers and i'm so happy about it like i i love a limited show i mean it's it's like when you you see all of the the act of like the actual tv show tv shows you know Star Trek The Next Generation had like 24 episodes a season. And with all the new shows, you're lucky to get 10, maybe 12. Uh, sometimes it's as few as six. And this is not just Star Trek. This is everything. But anyway, that's just the difference of live action television in the US. Um, so to to kind of jump back into Gaim, because unfortunately, we didn't get that far in again, scratching the surface. We're only watching the legit stuff that we can find. Um, and I'm not sure I have much more to add, except I wish this show was, was more available to watch because I want to watch more of it. As I have said, after every common writer series we have started so far. Yeah, I mean, 
we talk about deep dives a lot and eventually we're going to have to fork some money over to some some dvd company actually there are a uh, shout shout i think is is getting a couple of these i think kuga is actually on blu-ray as of september Kuga, oh, um, the entire the entire season of kuga you could watch on 2b tv that's right watch, it's on 2b entire, entire um, well we're gonna have to probably do a a deep dive at some point because drew and i have joked and if if we both like were able to do full-time podcasting we would have a common writer show because i am I am so in love with this franchise it's really and I've really only watched fun. three iterations of it, but I'm super, super into it. And I'm, I was already it, probably going to be uh, into it because of loving super Sentai. And when they started, when uh, Toei started their Tokusatsu channel, they were putting some of the random stuff like Jan person and everything on there. And I was loving that. Like I really love Japanese live action superhero shows. I think they are extremely fun and I think they just go all in on their concept regardless of their budget or their constraints and just work around it. I think there's a lot of genius in the filmmaking of these shows and it's something that is taken for granted. I think the, the biggest tragedy of all this, it's something that Patrick and I have, have uh, come in contact with what doing Kaiju versus history is outside of the most recent do- uh, biography uh, of Ishiro Honda, a lot of the stuff in terms of the history and the behind the scenes stuff of these shows is lost to Westerners. I mean, because outside of uh, Masked Rider and Common Rider Dragon Knight in the mid 2000s, we don't get access to Common Rider. The, I mean, the larger publicity or the larger public doesn't really know about Common Rider. And as as a result, we don't get a lot of the material talking about it or it's certainly not translated and it's a bummer because i think that the tokusatsu genre is so interesting and so multifaceted and you know we've only ever just brushed the surface as having power rangers and and by extension some access to super sentai but i think by watching the common writer that we have and kind of getting to um have a tasting of the other offerings of the tokusatsu subgenre i mean it's so rich and interesting and i feel like anyone who enjoys science fiction action superhero stories there is something for you here and for me, Comrade Gaim being as wild and crazy as it is, is certainly part of it. But even if you want something dark and brooding, you've got Comrade Black. This is a franchise that offers everything. Yeah, and I mean, we, we I talked about the, the we talked about the like PG thirteen R rated bio horror <laughs> movie, that right? Was- and I, I think this franchise is so rich. I think this this genre is so rich. I'm glad we're finally starting to get little little samplings of it here. Yeah, I'm I'm more than halfway through Common Rider Black Sun on Amazon Prime. I continued watching that show because I was so into Common Rider Black and uh, Black Sun's way different, but uh, it's pretty, pretty good. I mean, that it's, first episode, I was like, yeah, this is different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a very different take. Uh, so it lo- it seems more guyvery than Common Rider. Yeah, and there's you know there's some some stuff in it that I'm not as into, but there's other stuff that I'm way into. So it's kind of a weird balance. Um, so 
luckily, Miles, and we learned this, we real I realized this today. Um there's another week in this month of of November. <laughs> yeah, I I had to, I had to hit you up about that. <laughs> uh cuz I didn't realize that we were going to get to do one more writer, one more common writer. So this is where we we looked at a number of different things and we looked to see if uh if if common writer uh Gates, Geets, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's Geets. Uh, it was available because that is the show that is actually airing right now. It is week to week, started back in September. Unfortunately, it does not seem to be legit available in the United States. So we looked back and we looked at a couple of things and it literally came down to a coin flip, what we are going to do. And because of the flip of the coin, we are doing Common Rider X-Aid. Uh, Kamen Rider X-8 is the show that aired in 2016, uh, just a few years after Gaim, uh, and that goes uh, <laughs> the the motif. Uh, so we've, so far, again, we've had Grasshopper, Grasshopper, Beetle, Fruit Samurai. This one is retro video games. That's going to be Kamen Rider X Aid next. So week. hyped! I'm so hyped for this. <laughs> uh, so this one, unfortunately, is another one that only the first two episodes are available. They are available on uh, uh, Toei's uh, Toei Company's Tokusatsu YouTube uh, official site, and that's unfortunately all we're going to get is two episodes of this. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna go for it. One last ride. One last ride. Uh, and that is where we are going to end this episode today. Uh, if you would like to find us, you can find us at themoreynerd.com. You can tweet to us, at least for now, at themoreynerd. You can go to facebook.com slash themoreynerd. And of course, you can always email us themoreunerd at gmail.com. That's themoreunerd at gmail.com. And if you would like right to- this time. Yeah. <laughs> I got criticized because last time I also spent a lot of time talking about the cosmic crit discord. Our other show cosmic crit has a very popular, cool discord. If you want to come in and play Starfinder or pathfinder, or just talk about nerdy stuff with me and miles and, and all of our, our friends over there, uh, discord.cc slash cosmic crit. I'm not exactly sure how to get there. Oh, I have absolutely no idea. Go to cosmiccrit.com and there's a discord link right there uh, that you can join and see and just actually talk to us in real time. Uh, So with that said, we are going to henshin ourselves on out of here tonight. Uh, And we're going to end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd out. out. Lock on. (laughs) 